At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the Hank Haney Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio. Gonna tell it like it really is We know Haney doesn't give a sh Silencing critics, eliminate misses Two chips never accept on shoulders to get better Everybody knows the name, read about it We're golf teachers, hall of fame, never doubt it It's time for the truth, here's our dude You're listening to Haney You're listening to Haney You're listening to Haney it's time for the truth, here's our dude You're listening to Haney yeah. Listening to Haney Welcome to the Hank Haney Podcast Great to be with you, Hank Haney here with you today I got a couple things to get into today But the other day when we were doing a show We talked about uh, Steve Johnson, the great predictor was on And Minnesota Tim Porosky, And we were talking about uh, the passing of Pete Dye, the great uh, golf course architect, and Pete was a, a, a just an, an incredible person and uh, somebody who was very, very kind to me uh, many times in my career. And anyway, one of the the listeners that we have, uh, one of our listeners, sent, sent in a letter and an email and said, you know, he complimented us on our show the other day. He said, I hope. He said, I hope whoever monitors the mailbox, because we, you know, we give out this email address, uh, hankhaneygolf at outlook.com. So, you know, and people wonder, hey, I wonder if anybody does look at it. He says, but I hope whoever monitors this mailbox sees to it that you see this email. And he's talking about me. He said, I think your podcast is great. Listen almost every day. You, Minnesota Tim, and the Great Predictor are terrific. Anyway, he said, that below is an article that was written by a longtime friend uh, that I think is great and you'll you'll enjoy. He said, we are fortunate here in Chattanooga to have numerous great golf courses, including two Donald Ross courses, Seth Rayner, Pete Dye, and my home course, Black Creek, of Brian 
Silva design. And I hope you enjoy this and, and read it. And he said, keep up the, the good work. And this is an article that was written by uh, Doug Stein. And uh, I don't I don't know Doug Stein, but um, I want to I want to I want to read this article to you because I, I know a lot of people probably haven't haven't seen this. And it was uh, I don't know where it was was published exactly, but he sent me this article. And so here it goes. Let me let me let me spend some time reading this to you. And I think you're going to enjoy this because Pete Dye was a really interesting guy and he was funny and he was creative. And I mean, he was he was everything. I mean, uh, every architect that got started in the game really started with Pete Dye. I talked about that the other day, Jack Nicholas, Greg Norman, uh, just to name a couple. But they all they all would would see Pete and pick his brain and you know, try to um learn from him. And he was very willing to to share. He was that kind of a, a person. It was just unbelievable. So this is this article uh, that that Doug Stein wrote. He said, hearing about Pete Dye's death brings back many fond memories for me. I was lucky to have gotten to work with Pete and spend some time playing golf with him. I first met Pete when our family construction business was hired to do all the heavy lifting at the honors course, clearing, moving dirt, building lakes, installing drainage, and the like. I did not play golf at the time, and only my father had any experience at all in the game. He had worked diligently at golf until he shot even par and then never played again, but that's another story. This was in 1982. And while Pete Dye was a heralded architect already, his profound influence on golf course architecture was not yet fully understood. TPC at Sawgrass was pretty new, and the pros, well, they hated it. Anyway, the economy was not good at the time, and Stein Construction Company was able to deploy almost its entire fleet of heavy machinery on the honors course job. Pete was also building Long Cove Club while he was doing his bidding in Alitoa, and I think he was a little behind in getting his ideas on paper. <laughs> That's no surprise. He flagged out the clearing limits and went back to Hilton Head. I remember his being shocked at how quickly we had the corridors cleared for the honors. My father saw the sweep of the land on the second hole and said, this is going to be a great hole. Pete came back in town to see the work and hurriedly said about imagining and having us build the features. One day, my father came into the office and said, they have us building bomb craters all down the right side of the second hole. It looks crazy. And I bet it did to most people who grew up seeing the courses being built during the Robert Trent Jones era. I had no idea what we were seeing. My main job at the honors course was to figure out where and how the large irrigation lakes could be. I took the topo maps for the site and surrounds and drew out the possible locations and sizes, communicating the results with my opportunity to meet Pete Dye. He took to me quickly. I treated me as an equal, even though I was 30 years his junior, and I knew nothing about golf or golf course architecture. I had by now taken up golf, though, at the insistence of my friend, George Bright, who told me that I better learn to play if I was going to be building a golf course for Jack Lupton and Pete Dye. I fell in love with the game almost instantly and started to spend more and more time at the job. One day, Pete loaded me up on the cart and took me out to the 17th green, which was just under construction. He flagged out the outline of a big, deep bunker that would become known as Big Bertha. He said, do you have somebody who can dig this out 12 feet deep and put an 11 to 2 to 1 slope leading down to a flat bottom draining this way? Yes, sir, Mr. Dye. I have Donnie McBee do that for us. Good, Pete said. Donnie McBee was a skilled heavy equipment operator but he had never worked on a golf course before. 
but he sure could put slopes on grade, a skill learned from working on our company, on highways, dams, and the like. I knew he could do what Pete was asking for. I could trust Donnie McBee to brush my teeth with a backhoe. He was that good. The next week, Pete was back for his visit, and he says, Take me out to that bunker on 17, Digger. I had a nickname. When we pulled up, I said, How's that? Pete said, God damn, that's perfect. He hesitated for a few seconds, and then he followed with, Tell him to fuck it up a little. I want it to look a little more natural. <laughs> it would be many more years before I understood that the bunkers at the honors were heavily influenced by Seth Rayner and Charles Blair McDonald, whose designs would become lifelong fascination to me. Several years later, I was attempting to qualify for the USJAM or MIDAM at Crooked Stick in Indiana. I had scheduled a practice round, and during that round, I came off the 13th green and I saw a guy on a bulldozer working some dirt behind the 14th tee. As I approached, I recognized Pete Dye. Hi, Pete. Hi, Digger. Why are you here? I'm trying to qualify for the tournament. I thought I'd come up and play your place. What are you doing back there? Pete says, I finally figured out how to make Greg Norman hit a four iron into a par four. I'm going to move this damn tee so far back that even he won't try to carry that corner. Well, Pete was right. Greg Norman hit four and five irons into the 14th green. But that was also the year that the young unknown John Daly assaulted the course with his prestigious length. Daly hit nine irons into the 14th, if not wedges, and ended up winning the PGA Championship by three shots. After a couple of years later, I found the original plans for Seth Rayner and Charles Banks' design of the Fairyland Golf Club, now Lookout Mountain Club, on the wall of the men's grill. I was excited because the topo map had been prepared by the Edward E. Bates Engineering Company, a local firm that I was very familiar with and had worked with intensively. Bates kept everything. So I went down to their offices and found the original plans of the course. It was clear that the routing was intact, but we were playing in a different sequence, starting on the 17th hole and finishing on the 16th. The clubhouse had been built at the highest point rather than out on the bluff where Rayner had sighted it, and we were missing about 60 bunkers. I started petitioning to restore the golf course, and one of my first calls I made was to Pete Dye, the only golf course architect I knew. Have you ever heard of Seth Rayner, I asked? Heard of him? God damn, of course I've heard of him. He was my main influence as an architect. That poor son of a bitch knew how to build 22 holes. The only question was, which 18 did you get? Well, will you help us with this course, getting this course restored, Pete? Hell no. I don't do that kind of shit. You'd have to call somebody else. You'll find somebody. We ended up engaging Brian Silva. Ultimately, the course was Black Creek, can trace its lineage to Lookout Mountain. The honors, Jack Lupton, Pete Dye, and Brian Silva. In 1999, after the restoration of Lookout Mountain and the start of Black Creek Club, I was invited to the American Society of Golf Course Architects annual meeting at Charleston Country Club, another Rainer design. Pete Dye was there, of course. Right before dinner, Charleston member and great amateur Frank Ford III asked Pete to come out with him and look at the 11th hole, one of Rainer's more controversial holes, a flat reverse redan. Ford told Pete, that he thought it needed some work. It was unfair. And in the tournaments, we just had to lay up on this par three and tried to get it up and down to make par rather than risk big numbers possible from trying to hit the green and missing. How can you fix this hole, Mr. Dye? Frank asked. Pete says, I don't think it needs fixing. 
I think it's the best hole on the course. It's perfect. I wouldn't change a thing. Well, Brian Silva was there for that conversation, as I recall, and he was hired almost seven years later to make changes to the 11th hole that made it play more like most Redans, in other words, hard, but not ridiculous. There remains one of the most iconic Redans in the world. While in Charleston, I had the opportunity to go play the Ocean Course at Kiowa with Pete Dye and Brian Silva. It was a very windy day, and before the round, Pete walked into the pro shop and said, I think I'm going to need a different hat. He picked up one off the table, which also was embroidered with Pete Dye's signature on it. This one looks good, he said, and put it on his head and walked out. On the course, the wind was howling. A tag on top of his hat twirled around like a helicopter on top of his head. Finally, I couldn't stay quiet. Pete, are you going to take that tag off that hat? It's got to be distracting. Hell no. I'm going to put it back after the round. I've just borrowed it. <laughs> and he did put it back. Another time, I had a chance to play Crooked Stick, Pete's home base, and Wolf Run, a Steve Smears course nearby, which sadly no longer exists. Both rounds were played with Pete and Steve Smyers, who was also quite a strong player. All the members at the honors were made honorary members of Wolf Run by its founder, Jack Lear. Mr. Lear was thanking Jack Lupton, the honors founder, for his support of the Wolf Run project. The Wolf Run course was notoriously difficult, unusually fast and firm, and lightning fast firm greens and unkept grass as well. It was one of my particular favorites of all time. The 15th hole was a down, then up par four, long with green sighted on the side of a ridge. Pete was quite an accomplished player, even into his late 60s and early 70s, which is how old he was on this day. He had a drive into the fairway, then knocked a three iron onto the green about eight feet from the hole. Ha <laughs> ha, he laughed and looked at Smyers. This is a goddamn easy hole. I really cannot express my gratitude for the life and work of Pete Dye and the effect he had on my life. R.I.P. Pete, Doug Stein, Black Creek Club, Chattanooga. That's a good article. I mean, I had to, I had to share that with you. I got, I got that article from uh, one of our, our listeners and... Uh, Listener is Frank uh, Gissner, and I'll tell you what that that was uh, that was good. There's so so many uh, things that that were in that article that made me think of of Pete, and that's just the way he was with that hat, uh, not taking the tag off, turn it back. He used to wear these sweaters. He had the same sweaters like he wore all the time, and he did all this work for Landmark Land Company. And one of the things with Landmark Land Company back in the day was, was uh, Ernie Vossler and, and uh, Joe Walser, uh, two great PGA professionals and great guys, two, two guys that, that, that hired me at one time to work at PJ West. And that was where I met Pete. And uh, <laughs> Pete would wear these sweaters, these just cashmere sweaters. He had like two of them and they, they, they were, you know, too big and they were all balled up. And I'm like, Pete, why don't you get some new sweaters? And the thing is, is if you represented Landmark Land Company, they gave you anything you wanted with their logo on it. So Pete could have anything, anything he wanted. And he would wear these old sweaters around and, I, and I'd say, Pete, why don't you get a new sweater? And he'd go, ah, this one's perfect. This one's, this one's fine. It never, it, it, things like that, he, he never even thought of. All he cared about really was just, I mean, building great golf courses and, uh, and, and being really a great influencer to all these architects that uh, started in the game and, uh, and, 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 
you know, design golf courses. I mean, and, and he was at. So that was a that was a great article. I wanted to, I wanted to share that one with you. We'll take a little break, hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back on the Hank Any Podcast. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, next up on the agenda today is a little talk about this whole new PGA Tour slow play deal. Uh, they're coming up with a new way to combat slow play, except they're like adamant about saying that it's it's really not about slow play, which is which is very confusing. Uh, in Hawaii, PGA Tour Commissioner uh, Jay Monahan uh, was adamant that the primary objective is not necessarily to speed up play. He says, quote, a focus on time creates other problems. I don't know what he's, what he's talking about there. And then you got Tyler Dennis, PGA Tour's senior vice president and chief of operations, confirm that's not the focus. The overall round times haven't really changed over the last 20 years, uh, Dennis said, citing research from historical shot link data. Uh, as such, these changes won't address the amount of time it takes to play around, especially on Thursdays and Fridays, or the difficulty some events face finishing in the daylight, which has been a, which has been an issue 
uh, in the last couple of years. So the PGA Tour has had trouble finishing when we're in, in daylight savings time. And, the you know, you got an hour less of sunlight or more because the, the you know, the, the days get longer as the year goes on. And and what the tour has done is is they've they've done a, a couple of things. One, they've 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 shortened some of the fields, which which they're doing this year at the Genesis. They're making Tiger's determined the benefits his foundation out at, at Riviera. They're they're making that tournament an invitational, which means they can have fewer players in it. And as a result, that will get them through in time. The other thing that they've done on on the tours, they they've had this uh, deal where where they'll have a, a, a secondary cut. So you have the cut after Friday, then they have the cut. Out. If there's too many guys make the cut, like, you know, normally, okay, they're looking for the low cut is 70 and ties. But if the last place is tied and there's like 82 players that make the cut, well, that's too many players to get them around on Saturday and Sunday in a comfortable time, teeing off, you know, not, you know, at, at the crack of dawn. Uh, th- so they w- what they do is they have a secondary cut and they'll cut it down to, 72 so so every everybody that got cut on friday okay so they're obviously out but then then more players would get cut on saturday to get the field down to the size that they needed to be down to get the the rounds on so so that that has been an issue now they're saying that this speeding up play and what they're going to do is is not something that is really relevant to what they're they're trying to do which doesn't make any sense. Of course, a lot of stuff they say doesn't make any sense at the PGA Tour. And it seems like Jay Monahan, every time he says something, uh, doesn't need to be addressed. I mean, I can't remember. I mean, he's 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 done this on numerous occasions, though. But he'll say, "Well, that's that's not an issue," and then next next week or next month or whatever, then they address that that issue that he said wasn't an issue, you know, a, a month or two ago. It's it's like hilarious. Like like he was adamant last year that there's there's nothing wrong with slow play, but. Then all the players got together, and they're all everybody's screaming about. They have forever, you know. We've we've talked on on this podcast when we had Marco Miran and Tommy Armour, and it doesn't matter who you talk to on the PGA Tour. Every single player will tell you that slow play is an issue, and yet the commissioner says, "Well, slow play is not an issue." We all know it's an issue. It's the biggest issue in in, in golf. It's the biggest fixable issue there is in golf. Uh, you know, when I had a radio show, we anytime that a slow play would come up, the phone lines would absolutely light up. Nothing lit the phone lines up more than slow play conversation, period, period. I mean, every time we talked about slow play, the, the phone line would be just solid booked the whole show. And and, and everybody just, just wants this address. And I talk about everybody. I'm talking... Everybody who plays the game of golf, and I don't think that the the governing bodies, you know, the the PGA Tour, the PGA, the RNA. I know the PGA would like to address it, but the but the RNA, the the USGA. I, I don't think they really care. I mean, clearly they don't because they 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 take forever to play at the U.S. Open. Uh, they blame it on how hard the golf course is. They blame it on the fast, firm conditions, which definitely has an impact on it. You know, when you have fast greens and guys roll putts by and they got to keep marking them, it just keeps adding time to the round. You got to hunt for your ball in the deep rough. I mean, it adds time to the round. Uh, but but then they, you know, they they do make little changes that they, you know, like like you can only search for your ball for, for three minutes, which I think is like a, a – I don't think that's a good change. I think somebody should have an opportunity to find his ball. 
And, you know, I, they went from five minutes to three minutes. That's not that much of a look. Uh, okay, you're saving two minutes. If, if somebody gets in a situation where they lose their ball, not, not, that doesn't happen that often. You know, it's not like every group has to hunt five minutes for a golf ball every time they play. I mean, it doesn't really happen. I don't know, you know, really why they needed to change that rule. I, I don't really like, like that change, and I don't think it really is going to speed up the round, to be honest with you. But if the, if the governing bodies, and, and the, you know, the PGA Tour is the one you see the most because they're the ones that are on TV the most. U.S. Open has one tournament. I mean, they got the U.S. Open, the, the USGA. The RNA has one tournament. They got the, the Open Championship. But the PGA Tour is on all the time. I mean, they're on every week with a tournament. And, you know, and it's not just every week. I mean, it's twice a week or three times a week. I mean, they got the Corn Ferry Tour. They got the Champions Tour or Senior Tour, whatever they call it. They've got the the PGA Tour. So they're on all the time. And when the players take a long time to play, what happens is, is that the average golfer sees this. They see guys lining up their, their putts, uh, marking it, lining the line up on the putter or on the ball. Uh, then they stand back, look at it. They go line up the line again. Uh, they get out their yardage book to look at the green slope. Uh, they they see them in the fairway where they're overshot, looking at the yardage, looking at the this, looking at the that, back off, back off, you know, new club, this and that. I mean, they 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 watch all that, and then they see how long it takes to play these shots, and it influences the way people play golf. I mean, you you can't expect the average player to watch tournaments on TV and and watch all these players playing so slow. I mean, they play in twosomes on weekends. They still can't play in less than four hours. They can't come close to playing in less than four hours. And, you know, and then you're going to have the average golfer. I mean, he's going to do what he sees on TV. If the PGA Tour and the U.S. Open and the Open Championship, they played in, you know, four hours or three hours and four, they should play faster. They're playing in threesomes and twosomes. I mean, they should be playing in three and a half hours on, on the weekends. If they played at that kind of pace and that was the norm, uh, it would definitely speed up, in my mind, it would speed up the rounds of golf that average players play. I don't think you can tell average players to play in three hours and 45 minutes or four hours when it takes them, you know, four and a half to five hours on the PGA Tour to play. I just don't, I just don't think it's possible. But this is the number one hot button. And, you know, there's a lot of things that are, that are tough in golf. I mean, it's expensive. Uh, that's not impossible, but, but harder to overcome. Uh, the other thing about golf is it's very difficult. That's really difficult to overcome. I mean, it's just that's a, that's an obstacle that's that's you know it's always going to exist. Golf's a hard game, but the obstacle that golf takes too much time and and that it, it, it's it's too slow. It's that's something that could easily be Im- improved on. And I think the you know the PGA Tour should be the one that takes the, the lead on this. So for whatever reason, they they you know I, they'll tell you that it's not a problem. They'll tell you that it's it's always been this way. They'll tell you that it's like this for the last twenty years, but then here they go. They're, they're coming out with their their new policy. So their old policy was that uh, players were put on the clock, which which means 
uh, if your group falls behind, like if you're more than a hole behind, the officials would come up and they would tell the players, okay, you're on the clock. And that means that we're timing your group until you make up the space that's open in front of you. So if you're, you know, if, if this group is on the 11th hole and they're on the 11th tee and there's nobody on the 11th green, then they said, okay, you're a hole behind. And if you're a hole behind, we're going to put you on the clock. And what they would do is they would start timing everybody in the group. And if you happen to have a bad time, uh, then they're going to, you know, warn you that you got a bad time. And then I think they, you know, if you get another bad time or whatever, maybe they give you a, a fine. But but very few penalties were ever, ever doled out. I mean, they, they gave a penalty, you remember back in... Uh, well, when the in 2013 Masters, I think it was the the amateur from China, uh, Guam got got a he got a penalty. They, they they picked him out and gave him a penalty. Like he's the only guy that was slow. I mean, what a what a joke that was. And then they gave out another penalty. They gave out slow penal, play penalties at the uh, Zurich Classic. I think that was in uh, I don't know when that was. It might have been 2013 too. I mean, it's you know rarely is this policy ever ever. Uh, really enforced. There, there, you go back to 1995. Uh, Glenn Day. Remember his nickname? His nickname was All Day. Well, Glenn Day got a got a penalized for slow play, uh, but it's but those are like the only three instances that there's that there's ever anybody been been penalized. And you know, you know, we've got plenty of cases where you could look and you could say this is just ridiculous. Of course, everybody remembers at Tory Pines a couple of years ago. Uh, JB Holmes taking forever to hit on the on the last hole. And it's not fair to your playing partners, and it, it just it just really isn't because there's icing those guys down. They want to get going, um, and then uh, the big one was Bryson DeChambeau, who, who you remember when he took just forever to play this this putt. I mean, it was just like ridiculous back and forth, out with the book, you know, caddy in, caddy out. I mean, it's just crazy stuff. Uh, which 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 ends up you know hurting hurting these guys you know image well after the Deschambeau deal of course that you know the PGA Tour gets asked about it and they uh, you know they 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 get all kinds of you know questions about it and then you know when they do change something they go well we've been we've been working on this for for months that didn't have anything to do with with that deal they don't want to you know say that that was the 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 one thing impetus to the change but obviously. It was. And then, of course, Molinari's brother, uh, he he made a big statement. You know, he, he plays on the European tour and he made a big statement on Twitter and, so, you know, so he made these, you know, how slow everything is. And then that got their attention. And the, and the, the, the European tour decided to come up with some different uh, guidelines and they're going to try to speed things up. So this is all, all good stuff. So what's, what's the, the tour going to do? Well, um, <laughs> They are going to have this thing called an observation list. <laughs> okay. Now, this is kind of akin to what people have, have, have said. A lot of people suggested that you ought to put a list of everybody who's a slow player and you ought to post it like on the bulletin board. Okay. These are all the guys that are slow players. Well, the tour doesn't like to do anything like that. They don't like to tell anybody uh, who they find or who's under suspension or what they're under suspension for or, or any dis- disciplinary action that's been taken. They don't want it. They don't want it. So they're going to, they're going to keep this list private. Nobody's going to know about this list, but obviously everybody will know about this list. Cause you'll know if you're on the list and guys will know who's not on the list and guys will talk and this will be, 
you know, sort of, uh, you know, sort of kept quiet. Who knows how that's really going to work? But the observation list is going to going to kind of go like this. Now, what what players will make the list? Well, uh, every stroke throughout the round must be played. They say in less than sixty seconds, in absence of a valid reason. So I don't know, you know, valid reason. I'm not sure what a valid reason is. I mean, maybe you, you got to look for your ball. Okay, you got the you got the three minutes, or who knows what all the valid reasons are. Uh, your ball's damaged, and you, you need a little extra time to check it, or you're checking for casual. Why? I don't. I don't know. You know, there's probably many different valid reasons. They're probably going to exploit the valid reasons too. Uh, but if if you're observed by an official to exceed that time, a player will be timed on an individual basis as as soon as he can be notified. So so somebody has to see you take more than 60 seconds, and then they're going to notify you that we saw you take more than 60 seconds, and now we're going we're gonna to start timing you. Now, typically, there's like, I think there's like three or four PGA Tour officials, probably like four PGA Tour officials at every tournament that are refereeing the tournament. Which means that there's two on each nine, you know, because you got, you know, players going off front nine and back nine. You got two two officials. So, so how? And they've got other things to do, like you know, answering questions because nobody knows the rules. I mean, no one, no one on tour knows really what the rules are. So every time there's a any kind of a rules question, nobody wants to get penalized. Nobody wants to get in trouble. Nobody wants to get, uh, you know, uh, be all over social media for you know, accused of cheating, whatever. So they always call for the official. They always call for the official. So you got these two officials and they, 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 you know, I mean, it depends on the course and depends on the day, but they're going to stay pretty busy. I mean, it's not like they're just going to, you know, sitting around doing nothing. These guys are, are doing something. So I don't know who the guys are that are going to do this timing. Maybe, maybe they're going to, you know, employ more officials. Okay. This is an expense for the PGA tour. And I'm sure this has something to do with why they they haven't wanted to address slow play because they cannot address slow play with the exact same number of staff members that they've always had. If they really wanted to address slow play, they'd have to have, well, I mean, to do it right, I mean, you'd have to have somebody on every hole. I mean, you really would. You'd have to have 18 slow play guys or whatever. You know, I mean, you'd have to have a lot. You'd have to have a lot more than four. Let's put it that way. And they don't want to spend the money. Now, they're going to make so much more money when this new TV deal comes out. They've had they've made so much more money as it is with with all the the, the money the PGA Tour is making off sponsorships. I mean, they could easily pay for more rules officials or more timing officials. But this is one of the one of the reasons why, let's face it, one of the reasons why they always like to tell you that, oh, this isn't a problem, is because they don't want to pay to to enforce this this any new rules. I mean that's 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 about it. this is this is you know and it's it's funny how all these professional sports organizations are the same. It's like the NFL. They don't want to pay to have full-time referees even though they know full-time referees would be better than part-time referees. But they don't want to pay it. But yet they make billions of dollars. And the PGA Tour makes all this money. They could do something great for the game of golf, not just the tour game of golf, the every every person game of golf. They could speed up the game of golf as it's played today. And they don't want to do it because they don't want to spend the money for 
enforcers, which would cost them money because they'd have to have more officials out there. So who knows how they're going to do this? They're going to have to add some people. But but right away, when I look at this, I think to myself, okay, I mean, there just happened to be an official standing over on the second hole. There isn't one on three. There isn't one on four. There isn't one on five, six, or seven, or eight. There's one on two, and there's one on nine. And all those other holes don't have anybody standing on it right now. And they and, and the guy just took over 60 seconds, so now he's getting timed. But somebody over on three, four, five, six, seven, or eight, those there's guys over there that took over 60 seconds, but they're not getting timed. So I'm like, you know, how is that really fair? I mean, it's it's not. But anyway, it, it, it's, it's a step in the right direction. Who knows? Maybe they will have people on every single hole. I mean, I guess it'll 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 remain to be seen. Uh, but they, they, if, if you get this time and you get over 60 seconds and you're observed, then they're going to tell you. And then if, if, if you don't have a, a bad time within two holes, then they'll stop timing you. So that means that once you get timed with a bad time, that official has to tag along with you for the next two holes. And, and like, I'm thinking to myself, like, how many officials are there going to be? Because... Let's say you got a guy that's assigned and, and, and it to doing timing on the third hole. And but there's an official on the second hole and he's and he's timing and he, he sees the guy with the bad time. Now he's got to tag along with the guy the rest of the way and do it. I mean, I, I just don't I don't know how that's gonna work. Oh, who knows? Maybe they're gonna do it electronically. Maybe they're gonna do it with the uh Shot link, but I don't. I don't know how that's going to be possible. I mean, there's a lot of unanswered questions here, but it's, it seems to me like they're going to be adding a lot of people. They would. They would have to to do this fairly and equitably, if if they're if this is what they're going to do. Then it goes on to say, if any players observed taking more than 120 seconds, so two minutes on a shot, in the absence of a valid reason, he'll be given an excessive shot time and observe throughout the whole round. So if somebody sees you take two minutes, they're watching you the whole rest of the round. And then uh, this list is going to be updated on a weekly basis. Any player with an overall average of 45 seconds or more per stroke based on a 10-tournament rolling period will be on the list, along with anyone who receives two excessive shot times. I, I, I My guess is that they're going to have to use the shot link people. Now, the shot link people are the ones that are assigned, and these are all volunteers, by the way. So they're they're assigned to, to give them statistics, which, which <laughs> these statistics are very valuable to the tour. Matter of fact, they're going to sell all these statistics to these uh Big, you know, golf betting sites. They're gonna. This is this is what the tour thinks is their, you know, a, a big uh, moneymaker thing that they have, an asset that they have. They're gonna they're gonna sell the the information that Shotlink provides. Shotlink is manned by all volunteers. So when they they have a tournament. They ask for all these different volunteers, you know, uh, you know, ticket takers and, and uh, you know, uh, stand over here and, and uh, hold your sign up to be quiet. Um, you know, all the all these different jobs that there are at a, at a PGA Tour event. One of them is the, the shot link deal where they, they sit behind the, the, the green and they've got their laser and they they aim it at this guy and okay he's 184 yards away and then he hits the ball on the green okay now he's 21 feet seven inches 
And I, I, I guess they're going to rely on the shot link to compile all of this, this data. So the shot link person that's out there is going to, I don't know, I mean, I guess he's going to click a button and, and when you get to your ball, and then he's going to click it again when you hit, and it's all going to be done electronically. I, I would guess that's, what's, that's, that's how they're going to come up with, with this whole, whole list. I'm sure they've thought this all out, but this seems like it's going to be you know, really complicated situation. They're going to post your name. And then, you know, if you get a warning, you get a warning for your first bad time. A second, you'll receive a one-shot penalty. Okay. Uh, And then for each additional bad time, you'll get another one-shot penalty. Now, see, all this would take is for them to be serious about this and actually dole out some penalties. When you give out three penalties... On every tournament there is, you've given out three penalties in the, since 1995. I mean, that's that's not going to deter anyone. You give out fines, but whatever the fines are, who, nobody even knows what the fines are on the PGA Tour. But you give out these fines when, when guys are playing, you know, for a million dollars. And Jason Day is one of the guys that said this. Like, remember a, a year or so ago, he said, you know, he's not going to he's going to play at his pace. No matter, you know, whatever fine they want to give them, go ahead and give them a fine. But when you start giving people penalties, that can mean a lot more than a fine. I mean, one shot penalty in a tournament, you know, first and second place, that could be five, six hundred thousand dollars. Okay, that'll get your attention. You know, a little a little slap on the wrist penalty isn't going to get your, your or a fine isn't going to get your attention, but a big one shot penalty sure could get your attention. I mean, it can it can mean a difference between winning a tournament, it could be a difference between making the you know, a, a tour championship. It could be a difference between qualifying for, you know, the, the Masters. It could be a difference between keeping your tour card. I mean, one shot could be could be huge. So if they give out penalties and real penalties, then it can have some definite influence on things. And then they're talking about fines. They get excessive shot times. Uh, will receive ten thousand and twenty thousand dollar punishments for second and additional offenses. So if you've got one of these, uh, if you take two minutes to to uh, play a shot, and it's going to cost you ten thousand dollars. If you do it a second time, it's going to cost you twenty thousand. So my question is, and because they never tell you what the fines are, but now they've told us what this new fine is. So an excessive shot time is ten thousand dollars. Okay, that's the, that's a minute and twenty seconds. So what do you think the 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 fine was uh, before they changed these rules? What was the fine last year if you got a bad time? I mean, it probably was next to nothing is what it was. That's why nobody paid any attention to it, see? But the new fines are, are uh, $10,000 and $20,000. And then it says, okay, the first bad time also gets a warning. Second offense, and then there's another thing with a, that has a $50,000 penalty. I don't know what, what that one is. Um, it's a little confusing. But uh, they, they go on, the PGA Tour says, we're not trying to hand out uh, penalties. But players have to know that they're out there. Well, I mean, that's that's the deterrent, isn't it? I mean, you have you have that. So we'll see how this goes. What they're going to do is they're going to test all this stuff and come up with this whole deal up through the uh, Heritage Tournament. And this is a 10-tournament rolling schedule for, for whether you're on this list of, uh, the, you know, having excessive time. Now, I don't think anybody's going to want to be on that list. That's for sure. And they're going to do it for, for 10 tournaments. And then they're going to really, I guess, get going from there. And then after Heritage, then they're going to start really, really enforcing it. So the first 10 terms, just let's, let's kind of get this under control. Let's see what's going to happen. Let's fix all the bugs. And then we'll get going from there. Well, at that point, there'll only be about 20 tournaments left in the year. 
guys play probably about half of those because because guys take weeks off or don't qualify for majors or some of those tournaments are opposite field events. Guys aren't going to play in those, but they're about so it'll, it'll you know you, you, probably every player will play about ten or ten or twelve tournaments with the the new times and the new lists and the new penalties, and we'll see how it goes uh, through the. Uh, end of the year, but it's not going to start until the the heritage. So that's the new, uh, as best I can understand it, that's the new uh, PGA Tour uh, slow play thing, which I'm going to give them credit because anything is a step in the right direction. I don't understand why they just, you know, they they go and they they change it. And then even when they change it, they insist on telling you that we're we're not changing it because we really think we have a problem, you know, or because we want to speed things up, which... You know, I mean, let's. Why, why? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with just saying, you know, we'd like to play a little faster. I mean, we know we we we're not we we know we're not setting a very good example. I mean, what's what's wrong? They always say they want what's good for the game. You know, what they really want is what's good for their game and what's good for their pocketbook and their uh, purses and and this. I think the players want to play faster, though. That's what I don't get. See, that's that's the thing that I don't get. I don't get why the players want one thing. But the management wants the other thing, or the management doesn't care what the players want. Why don't they listen to the players more? Well, I think they are listening to the players a little bit on this because a lot of players have complained about this, both PGA Tour and European Tour, and maybe they're uh, catching catching a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, catching that flack has, has influenced them a little bit. It, it, they de- they definitely work slow though. There's no doubt about it. All right, let's take another break. Uh, hear from our our sponsors. Uh, one of which is Voodoo Pain Relief Cream. If you haven't tried Voodoo Pain Relief Cream, uh, now is your chance. This is a tremendous product. You've heard me talk about it. We've had over 50,000 customers, and the ret- it's got a money-back guarantee. you got aches and pains, and everybody has something. I don't know what it is that bothers you, but I, I know it, it's something. You know, For me, it's been my back and my knees. And I use the Voodoo Pain Relief Cream and have for for you know a couple of years now, and it's just been fantastic. The 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 testimonials on the website. Go to VoodooPainRelief.com and just check out the testimonials, and you will you will see how fantastic this product is. It's there's a money back guarantee, but beyond that, right now we're offering a free trial. You can get a free two week supply. All you have to do is, is go on the website, voodoopainrelief.com, right on the front page. You'll see a little box. It'll say free uh, two week supply, and you can sign up and try it out. And, in the, in the, you know, I, I know you're going to love it. I know it's going to help you. you you're going to f- feel better. You're going to move better. You're going to have less pain. And, uh, and that's a, a good thing for sure. So let's, let's hear from our other sponsors. We'll be right back on the Hank Any Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. 
Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. One, one of the other things I wanted to get into to, to today is the PGA Tour announced a 2020 Player Advisory Council. And I guess they go on a, a calendar year basis, not the, the tour years, but so they just, just announced this. But there's 16 players on this uh, PGA Tour Advisory Council. And the, there were some interesting names on, that, on that, that list. Now, most of the time, this is guys that are kind of i don't know i mean more middle of the pack players in general i would say i mean they're they're guys that that do this job like the the top like you like i don't know if phil mickelson's ever been on this but i know tiger woods has never been on this uh my good friend mark romero was on this at at you know one point and i think you know he he was always frustrated about it he said you know every time we would go in a meeting we would talk about this stuff. I think Mark was on this. I know, I know he, he, he's, you know, he mentioned about the meetings, but maybe those were just tour meetings. I don't know. Anyway, you're on this advisory council and you give, uh, you know, your, your opinions on things and you represent the players. Uh, so here are some of the names of, of the guys that are on this and, and they're, they're pretty, they're pretty big names. I mean, they really, really are. Uh, Paul Casey, um, uh, Billy Horschel, Zach Johnson, um, Rory McIlroy. I mean, my gosh, and Justin Justin Thomas. So, I mean, when I look up there and I see Rory McIlroy, number two player in the world, uh, Justin Thomas. I mean, what was he number number you know four player in the world? Um, you know, I got Paul Casey, who's number seventeen player in the world. Uh, you know, I mean, Zach Johnson, two-time major champion. You can, you got some some big now. There's other guys, Russell Knox, uh, Anabon Lahari, 
uh, Ryan Palmer, John Rahm. I forgot him. John Rahm, number three player in the world. I mean, you got some representation of great players on, on, on this, this call. So these are guys that are totally focused on their game. I mean, Roy McIlroy, John Rahm, Justin Thomas. I mean, you know, you, I mean, that's, that's pretty good representation right there. Two, three, and four in the world. And these guys are are given their their time for this. It's going to be interesting to see. I I, I don't know if there's ever. I, I can't imagine that there's ever been a year when you would look at the PJ Advisory Council. You know this this group of sixteen players that you know has a say so in something. You would think. You know you wonder how much say so they have in it. But uh, they. I, I wonder if there's ever been a time when. You had the second, third, and fourth rated players in the world were all on this this council. So the voice, usually it's like, uh, it's more the middle of the road guys, which is there's a lot of those guys guys on here. Uh, but uh, th- this time it looks a little different. So we'll, we'll see if, if, if things change. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they had something to do with you know all this this new slow play initiative that we've been talking about i mean i'm I'm sure they did and i'm 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 sure that because i you know i mean you know justin uh, thomas has talked about that a lot uh i know rory's talked about it a lot so you've got you and, and rom too so i mean you've got advocates for playing faster and they are on the tour advisory board which tells me that that the players you know they want to have a voice and they've they've you know had enough with this. So let's hope let's hope that that things change and I, and and we see a, a positive change both on the European tour and the PGA tour uh, with uh, you know any, anything they do, but especially starting with the slow play. I mean that's something that should be should should not be hard to fix and and uh, and take care of. All right, uh, hope everybody enjoyed the podcast today. If you want to call and leave a message, I'm going to give you a phone number, 833-426-5763, extension 801. You can uh, leave a message, uh, ask a question, uh, make a comment. Uh, if you've got uh, something great to say, we'll probably uh, play it on the air. Uh, and we can also you know, get some participation from uh, our, our great uh, podcast listeners, which we'll, we, you know, we record pretty much every day. So uh, if we hear something we want to talk to you about, uh, we're gonna we're gonna call you up and, and get you on and, and get you recorded under the podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at Hank Haney. You can email questions to Hank Haney Golf at Outlook dot com. And uh, if you haven't already, make sure you click the follow app on your iHeartRadio app and follow our podcast so you get it every day or you, you know, wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts or whatever. Um, click the follow button and uh, we'll, we'll be right there every day for you. Um, appreciate everybody's support. We've got uh, a great following and uh, it's, it's fun doing the podcast. Love talking to you and I uh, appreciate all the support. I uh, hope you have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow on the Hank Haney Podcast. Thanks for tuning into the Hank Haney Podcast. Listen, follow, rate, and share on iTunes, on the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can make your thoughts and questions heard by emailing the show at hankhaneygoff at outlook.com. And you can also tweet me directly by sending your tweets to at Hank Haney on Twitter.
The Hank Haney Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.